Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners know a thing or two about real estate. Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties. Welcome, everybody, to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, episode number 149, where Steve and I try and bring you the hottest topics in real estate. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Today is a very timely podcast. With the release of the Oregon Realtor Forms, we have two of the most important people who are responsible for creating those forms. I'll let Steve do the longer version of the introductions, but Jeff Wyron, former past president of Oregon Realtors and had a great hand in in creating these things. And Jeremy Rogers, attorney, director of legal affairs, he had a hand in creating these forms. And we know that you guys are dying to figure out who's gonna win the battle, which ones we use, can we dictate what's used? We're going to jump into all that right now, but for now, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Steve Nassar, Premier Property Group. Steve, take it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. So first of all, we are not this good. We are just sometimes lucky. (laughs) A month ago, over a month ago, Joe reaches out to me. He goes, hey, we got to get this form stuff on the podcast. We got to go through and talk about what's going on. I think it was shortly after an op-ed piece had come out by a well-known real estate attorney kind of critiquing the new forms. So Joe said, why don't we get Jeff Wire? And I go, great idea. So I, I reached out right away to Jeff and I asked him and he very graciously obliged to jump on the podcast. We coincidentally picked today about five weeks ago as the day to do the podcast and do it live. Well, it so happens that the forms are being released today. In fact, Jeremy has told us just in the last half hour that as we are on this podcast, a big email is going out releasing the forms. So there you have it. Good timing. They're already in Skyslope forms in the library. I confirmed it right before we went live. Yeah. So... Without further ado, Jeff Wyron, president of Premier Property Group, also former past president of OAR. He was the president. I'm pretty sure, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, when the forms were announced. And then Jeremy Rogers, I know you a little bit less, but Joe knows you more. You are the director of legal affairs. You're an attorney with the Oregon Realtors. I didn't know if our listeners all knew this, but it's not Oregon Association of Realtors. But it is OAR. Is that fair? Is that correct? Well, is it still technically, OAR? so we changed our name to Oregon Realtors about two years ago. And that's a trend of realtor associations across the country to drop the association. Technically, there is no abbreviation for that because so people still use OAR, okay. although we don't use it. We just say Oregon Realtors. Do you guys use OR? OR is also not within the brand guidelines because okay. it just doesn't work as well. So we just use Oregon Realtors. Okay. Oregon Realtors. There you have it. So but thank you, you both. OAR, everybody knows who you're talking about. It's Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining us today. And 
we're going to dive into this, you know, very hot topic, very current topic, and and a little bit, you know, heated topic, right? There's there's people on both sides that have questions about why this is happening and how it's going to happen, and so we're gonna we're gonna address all of that. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. You bet. You bet. Happy to be here. Why don't we just start with where did this begin? How long ago? Whose idea? I mean, you know, what group of people and 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 why? Well, I'll take you back to a long time ago when OREF was formed, which is well over 20 years ago. That was back in the day when real estate forms were not electronic. They were actual triplicate copy forms, right? We all have heard the closing phrase, press hard, there's three copies, right? That's where it came from. Yep. Three layers of carbon. Yeah. Yeah. So OREF was formed over 20 years ago when Portland Metropolitan Association of Realtors, Eugene Association of Realtors, and the Oregon Association of Realtors all had a forms product in the marketplace. And the commissioner at the time said, you know what? We prefer to just have one statewide form. Why don't you guys work together to create a company to develop a statewide form? And the percentage of ownership in that private company was roughly distributed based upon the market share of the form. So Portland Metro had 50% roughly, Eugene had 30% roughly, Oregon had 20%. Actually, it was a little less than 20%, but they were given a 20% stakeholder interest in the company. I stated earlier, keep in mind, this was back in the day when forms were only available physically for a purpose, because now they're available electronically. So if you were a Portland realtor, you weren't going to drive down to Salem and pick up the Salem, the Oregon realtor form. You were going to go to the closest real estate office and real estate association to your where you did business and go buy your physical forms, right? If you were in Eugene, you weren't going to go up to Portland and buy your forms, and you weren't going to go to Salem to buy your forms. You were going to go to Eugene and buy your forms. And so market share roughly reflected percentage of users within those regions, right? Makes practical sense. So the company was founded and OAR was a member, 20% owner in the company up until about two years ago, a little over two years ago. The Oregon Realtor Association made the decision at the board of directors spring of 2020, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, Jeremy, but I think it was spring of 2020, to have a statewide form administered by the state association, which makes logical sense, as a member benefit, not for profit. Not a for-profit, separate private company, not not for profit, administered through the state association as a member benefit. In that effort, in that decision, we made an offer to purchase the partners that we had in OREF to purchase the interests of PMAR and EAR. That offer was rejected. And so there was a two-year non-compete that Oregon Realtors had to abide by before we could launch and release a forms product to the marketplace. We complied with that two-year non-compete, which was technically over in October of 2022. So throughout that time period, you know, we worked with realtors and attorneys throughout the state to develop a forms library. I would say that in Spring of 2021, I think it was February of 2021, or maybe it was 2022, Jeremy, correct me on the date. We made a second offer attempt to purchase 
the OREF forms library from PMAR and EAR. And, and that second offer was also rejected. Yeah, and that was in 2022. 2022. So we certainly made the effort to, to purchase OREF and have, you know, bring that library in. We feel very comfortable and, and happy about the library that we've created. So I don't know that we would have, you know, retained everything in the OREF library, even if, if they were interested in selling it. But they weren't interested in selling it. They wanted to keep OREF as a viable company, which I understand and respect their business decision to do that. But now OREF is owned by Portland Metro Association of Realtors and Eugene Association of Realtors. Oregon Realtors has no ownership interest. And we've delivered our forms product, as you said, Steve, today to the marketplace. It's been available in sample form for agents to look at since October of last year. The answer to the question that I got asked the most is, why create a separate entity versus working with OREF and just perfecting the one universal form that we have? And, And I think your answer is, you tried to purchase it so you can control it and put the verbiage you like, but they weren't playing ball with you. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. I mean, OREF wasn't interested in selling that PMAR and EAR weren't interested in selling their ownership interests, which is certainly their prerogative. But having a statewide form administered by the state association as a member benefit, that train was on the track. And it was overwhelmingly approved by our board of directors to do that in spring of 2020. I have a bunch of follow-up questions here. So Oregon Realtors sold their 20% share in OREF back in 2020, so that they could start the clock ticking on the two years non-compete, correct? Did they correct. get a windfall of some kind of payout for that 20%? Yeah. Yeah. The okay. 20% interest that was purchased back by PMAR and EAR created you know, a financial distribution to Oregon Realtors, which is reflected in our budget. Okay. So EAR and PMAR now have larger stakes, obviously. They're correct. no longer 50 and 30. They're, you know, something something, you know, 40 and 60. I, I and actually see just on that front, just to jump in, like e- e- Eugene is actually withdrawn from ORF as well. So it's exclusively owned by the Portland Metro's oh, Association of Realtors at this point. Yeah. And is that because Eugene is in support of the, the new forms? I can't speak for Eugene in terms of why they did that, but that last month, it was either earlier this month or late last month, they did pull out of ORF. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so why, I mean, because PMAR, okay, so clearly PMAR is not in support of the new forms. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I don't know that it's fair to say that PMAR as an association is not in support of the new forms. Their leadership wanted to retain ownership of OREF as a viable for-profit you know, business generating revenue. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I mean, I don't knock their business decision in regard to that. And I don't mm-hmm. know that that business decision means that they're not supportive of Oregon Realtors having a forms library. I'm sure they'd prefer if we didn't, but you know, it's not fair to say that PMAR is an organization or every member of PMAR is against Oregon Realtors' decision to have a, a form administered by the state association. Sure. And I guess my, my, my next question why is it better for this Oregon realtors to, I mean, cause, cause it feels like if these three entities owned OREF, they did have a lot of say, no different than any other type of ownership in an, in an entity. Why did Oregon realtors need exclusive say, what was the idea behind that? 
That's a good question. And, you know, the process in OREF, the forms creation process, Oregon Realtors as a ownership interest did have a lot of input in that, but they didn't have a controlling interest of input in that process. So you have that dynamic. And ultimately, the administration of a member benefit through the state association and having that be done if there's a statewide form and you want input from all members from around the state, I think the administration of that product through the state association and being able to provide that to you as a member benefit makes the most sense. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm not trying to dodge your question directly, but ultimately the for-profit corporation of owning a forms company and having the controlling interest to be one local association I just think in the big picture, history, when we look back, history will prove that having the administration of our form be done by the state association, which also administers the legal hotline for the state. Guess what? 90% of the questions that come into the Oregon Realtors legal hotline are, are pertaining to forms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah. having all of that, having 19,000 plus members and having input from 19,000 plus members from all over the state. And while you could argue and say, well, wow, PMAR is 50% of the state, you're right. They're 50% of the state, but they're also only 50% of the state, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of input from all over the state, and we have access to all of that. We get questions through the legal hotline from people everywhere. That changes you know, the standard of practice. That feeds the standard of practice. That translates directly into how the forms are going to be, and if we need a new form, if we need to make modifications to forms, and all of that. That makes I'd sense. I'd jump yeah. in with some more on that too. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that if you look across the U.S., okay, we've counted at least thirty-seven states where the primary forms that are used by members of a state realtor association are provided through the state association as a member benefit. And I think we need to emphasize that member benefit means. If you're paying your dues to the association, the forms are included. We believe that forms should be included as part of someone's membership and association. It's one of the main reasons why they would want to be a part of an association. You look across the U.S., forms, legal hotline, okay? In terms of risk management tools, those are the things that almost every state provides. And we think our members deserve to have that through Oregon Realtors as well. Additionally, one of the reasons why it makes sense for those 37 states are the efficiencies created by doing it through the state association. We already have a legal team here. We already have a communications and marketing team to develop the website and the communications materials. We already have the education and training team that puts on the training courses for CE credit and designs curriculum, okay? So we already have that. So the overhead of providing forms is very low for a state association. And then on top of that fact, as Jeff was saying, having access to all the members and their input and the questions that come in the legal hotline, we are just uniquely positioned to be able to be both providing the forms efficiently and making sure that the content of the forms are reflecting the issues that we're hearing about on the legal hotline and through our members, through all of the various ways that we communicate with them on a regular basis. So I have a question for you, Jeremy, because you're an attorney and First of all, I want to tell you guys, even though there's a battle of the forms going on right now, we support you. And I first got introduced to Jeremy because he did a Zoom for Soldera Properties last month. And just so you know, we're taking a proactive stance. Our designated broker is accredited as a trainer within the company. And then I think that first teaching 
through the company, you record it and send it to Oregon Realtors, and then they look at it, and then you could be accredited for teaching outside your company. So two thumbs up for Oregon Realtor Forms. So we're not against you. We're not for you. We're just dealing with this little weird time of which forms do you use? Can you dictate which forms should be used? But before we jump into that, so Jeremy, as an attorney, we go back into real estate over 25 years ago. Scott Taylor was our commissioner. We had three different sets of forms. And Scott Taylor said, there's a little bit of liability on the realtor's back for having three sets of forms. We should wipe them out and have one form. And then, you know, we're realtors. And even though we write legally binding contracts every day, we're not attorneys. And the questions are, what if a buyer says, hey, I want to, I want you to write an offer on a form that supports me more than the other forms? Or do we have to explain which forms we use to all of our clients? Is introducing Oregon Realtor forms putting us in a precarious position that we now have to pretend to be an attorney with two sets of forms and we're the ones kind of choosing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't think it is. And if you want me to kind of roll out what I believe is the best guidance for you as you navigate that, I, I, I'd love to do that. Because I think that there's been more made of this than there is. Okay. And and I will say this, while I've told you 37 other states have one state waiver form, we just got an email today, in fact, from the Ohio realtors, and they're talking to us about what we've done. They're working on some statewide products. They're not one of the states with a single form. Every local association has a form. There's 30 plus forms in Ohio. And by the way, I asked them, has there ever been a case of someone being accused of practicing law? Or has there ever been a case of liability based on choice of form? And they said, never heard of one. Okay. So now I'm not saying that you shouldn't worry about that at all. Okay. I'm just saying more is being made of it than there should be. And if you follow some simple steps, then you're really going to be in good shape. Okay. And, and let me tell you what I think those steps are. Okay. And, and I think the first thing we have to recognize is that there's always been multiple forms in the market. Okay. Even when, when there was a consolidation to the OREF forms, the Stevens and Ness forms still existed. A lot of people, and they still exist today, a lot of deals used to be done on those forms. Home builders have forms. You're presented in that situation all the time. You're dealing with new construction. Home builder says, hey, we've got a contract. We want to use our contract. Okay. If you're a commercial broker, the Commercial Association of Brokers has a whole suite of forms. Those have always existed well, ever since they were launched alongside the ORF commercial forms, as well as forms drafted by attorneys. Okay. So multiple forms have already always existed. Now, of course, with the introduction of Oregon Realtors forms as a member benefit, the fact that you're going to be facing that situation is going to occur much more often. Okay, because these are widespread. So the benefit of a statewide form, whether it's the OREF one or ours, is that these are forms drafted by attorneys with input from industry experts. Okay, they get updated regularly. The whole concept of the statewide form is to manage your risk. Okay, whichever one you use. And your E&O insurance gives you a discount, I believe, for using a statewide form. That's going to be the case, whether it's ours or OREF, okay? So a lot of this is not about the fact that there's two. It's the fact that you have a statewide form, okay? You have a statewide form, and now you have a couple options on that. And that's a really good thing for you to have the statewide forms. Now, in terms of navigating this environment with multiple forms, here is the, the best things I can tell you about that. First, you never want to mix and match forms 
from the separate forms libraries in a single transaction between buyer and seller. Okay, because our library is designed to work consistently with the forms throughout our library and the provisions of forms throughout our library, and they refer back and forth to each other. And so if you were to be using an OREF or a, another form in that mix, our form's gonna be referring to provisions that maybe don't exist in that form. You're gonna have a contract that doesn't make sense. That would be a very bad situation for your client. You don't wanna do that. Now, if you're just talking about forms that you're gonna use between you and your client, not the ones that you're using between the two, the buyer and the seller, that's okay. You could use one set of forms for that and a different one for buyer and seller. But for buyer and seller, you wanna stick with the same set of forms. Okay, the next thing you should do is be educated and trained on all the libraries that you're likely to encounter. You know now that you're likely to encounter OREF and Oregon Realtors. So even if you have one that you're primarily using in your business, you need to get educated and trained on both. And we've provided an extensive library of live virtual in-person, recorded, all sorts of different training options on our website. And we hopefully have a chance to talk about that later. Okay, the third thing that I would say is that you should not be advising your client on which form is better for their particular facts and circumstances, okay? You wanna avoid that situation. We think the best way to avoid that situation is to have a default policy of which form you use in your brokerage. If you have a default policy of which form you use in your brokerage, then when your client is choosing to work with you and you have communicated to them that default, they're choosing to work with you and your form, okay? And in most instances, that's what's going to happen. The client's not going to have a specific preference, okay? Now, if a client did have a specific preference, client said, I actually know these forms and I prefer to use this one, then obviously, you know, you need to follow the direction of your client. 99% of clients, though, are going to sign up to work with you and your policy and your business has every right to have a default form and having either one of these statewide forms as your default is a great risk management tool. Okay. The fourth thing I would say, don't let deals die based on form type. Okay. So either that means if you get in that situation where the other side of the transaction is asking for the offer on a different form than what you have, you need to talk to your client and say, Hey, I know we're working with this default form. That's the form that, that we've talked about. They want it on the other you know, would you rather be submitted on that other form to, for a better chance of your offer being accepted? And I know how to use that form, so I'm willing to do that, okay? But you can talk to your client about that. If for some reason you weren't trained on that form, which you shouldn't, that shouldn't happen, should be trained. If you weren't trained on it, then you'd wanna be able to refer your client to someone in your brokerage who is trained on it. Because obviously you should make sure your client is working with someone who's trained on the form. Fifth, communicate early and often. Okay, communicate early with your client, explain to them your default, show them the form, communicate early with the other side in case they have a preference that's different than what you and your client are using. Okay, and that you can all work that out ahead of time. So I think if you adhere to these tips, then you're going to be fine. There's a lot of flexibility within those. You know, if you stick to those, a lot of different ways that you could set up a policy for your brokerage. But I think those simple steps will keep everybody both using forms that they know how to use and helping their clients and avoiding any risk or liability that might be associated with us. We're in a market right now, Jeremy, that I'll present your offer if it comes to me on the back of a Chinese menu. Um, <laughs> maybe before April of last year, you know, I could I'd be a little more picky, but right now we want the highest and best offer. I don't care what form it comes in. So what you're saying is an agent and or a brokerage can sort of stipulate the forms they prefer 
but you wouldn't encourage them to make that be a hard line if something comes in on the other guy's form to at least be well read with it and to present it anyway. Correct. Yeah. And again, and at that point, if if it's, you know, again, I think 99% of the time, the way this will happen is you share your default form with your client, your client's going to say, great, I'm signing up with you. And, you know, I'm si- and, and doing so I'm signing up with your default form. You get in that situation where the other side wants it on a different form. Then you have that conversation with your client and you say, client, look, I know that other form too. I know we said we're going to work with this one. They want it on the other one. Let me know what you think I, I should do. At that point, it's not about the terms of the form. It's about what's more likely to get an offer accepted. Okay. So you just have that conversation with your client and you, and you move forward together in that vein, just like you would right now with a builder form or some other situation. Yeah. Can I add to that? Great advice from Jeremy. Thank you. I would say, you know, what stipulation is whether your brokerage has a policy by company or whether you individually as an agent have a policy of which form you're going to use, either is acceptable. I will tell you for our company, we are not mandating to our agents. This is our company policy of which form we want you to use. We want you to be educated on both, Steve. We want you to know and your team to know how to use the OREF sale agreement transaction forms and the Oregon Realtors transaction forms. And we want you to have a policy personally as an agent as to which one you prefer to work with. And we're here to support you as a brokerage either way. I don't know what you're doing at Soldera, Jim, but I'm imagining you probably also are willing to allow your agents some flexibility on how they want to practice real estate because they're independent contractors and they might want that flexibility. In this interim period, brokers have to be well-versed in both. You could be getting anything coming at you. You need to know it inside and out. And that's the, the way we're going. And I would be curious to get Steve's predictions. You know, podcasts, we've made a lot of predictions. And then we fast forward six, nine months and, and our predictions have come true when we predicted inventory and rates and all kinds of things. Steve, my question to you is, what do you think the next this year is going to look like between the battle of OREF and Oregon Realtor Forms? Any predictions? Well, you said interim. That's very optimistic because, look, I'm all for Oregon Realtors having one form and, and being in control of it. But I don't love the idea of two forms. And and Jeremy, I love you, man. And I love Jeff. But and, and I, I get what you're saying. I, I get you're saying this is the path to success. You know, that's like saying if your car breaks down, here's what you need to do. You need to do tow it. You need to go get it fixed. I'd prefer if my car didn't break down. <laughs> right. So you saying we have to know both forms. I'm already a Washington agent, right? So I already know two forms and one is completely different than the other with completely different timelines. One's talking business days, one's talking calendar days. Now we've got to have that within the same state and maybe on the same transaction where we get multiple offers where one's this way and I'm trying to explain to my seller what this one says and now I've got to turn around and explain a new format to them. So, I mean, it is here. We support you guys. We really do. I mean, you know, Jeff Wyron, one of the things this has going for him is I know Jeff very well and I've known him for many years and he is a very risk averse person. He's probably one of the more conservative people on our executive team here at Premier Property Group. So I know and I believe in him that this is going to is for the best reasons, but it's it's going to be problematic. It's going to be problematic. Next year or the year after, in addition to knowing both forms, there's going to be changes to both forms. And in years past, 
we'd have this big meeting once a year where we would sit down and, and someone such as Jeff would go, here's all the changes to the forms. And that was a big deal. Now we're going to have to do it on two sets of forms, right? So all the challenges of the forms are, are effectively being doubled. You, you mentioned, Jeremy, kind of casually. I thought it was a little casual. Oh, if you write your offer on one set of forms and you talk to the other agent and they don't like it, just rewrite it. Well, that doesn't sound fun. So, well, I mean, like I said, if you're communicating early, if it's about where how to write the offer, okay, then early communication will likely lead to an understanding if there is a preference from the other side. And then you can have a conversation with a client about that before you ever submit the offer. Okay. So that's where that early communication would come. Sure. I agree. But but I I think that that's, you know, if if our default is one and theirs is the other, and we're in an even market where both people feel like they have you know, leverage, you know, it just becomes, a, it becomes a negotiation bef before even the negotiations have started. Right. So by the way, I do want to say I've seen the new forms and and everyone is excited about the new forms. You, your guys, you guys have nailed the formatting of it and, you know, the first page and, and the summarization. I, we have a couple comments. I do want to get to these because it's important. We've, we've assured people we're going to get to them. Jewel Robinson has said, I'm excited for the new forms. Paul Barnes Brotherton has asked a really good question that I actually personally wrote down before he said this. Do you foresee OREA stepping in and forcing one set of approved forms? In other words, if 25 years ago, the commissioner wanted one set of forms, has that changed? Well, and Jeff, feel free to jump in. I, I can't speak on behalf of the commissioner, but I have heard him in multiple instances, including at our convention in the fall and in, in other instances where he's appeared. And he has said he has no intention of stepping into this and, and, and has made comments that are supportive of competition in the forms marketplace. Yeah. Okay. I would Go add ahead, that, that, you know, the process of having the forms mandated through the Oregon real estate agency would be a legislative process. I don't know that the commissioner has the desire to do that. Again, I can't speak for him any more than Jeremy can. But that would be the path, right? The forms would be legislated in the same way that the property disclosure statement is legislated if there were going to be a statewide form that was mandated by the state legislature through the Oregon Real Estate Agency. I don't know mm -hmm. that that's the I don't know that that's the path. Do you yeah, guys I don't see that happening? A winding down. I, I know you have to be careful here, but I mean the the happy ending in my book is that ORAF just caves in, gives up, somehow PMAR, as I guess, would be a part of that. I it, I guess it would be their decision, ultimately. And we do go back to one set of forms that is now your forms, our forms, Oregon Realtor forms, right? Do you guys, I, I would have envisioned you hope for that. Do you see that as a possibility? And is there something that can be done to help that cause so that we are back to one form, the one that should be there. You know, that really is going to be a decision by PMAR, who it sounds like now is the exclusive owner of, of OREF. And I can't speak to what they will do. What I can say is Oregon Realtors made twice an offer to purchase OREF. And both of those offers were rejected. So that's the history. And I'm, I'm not, not being critical in that statement at all. Don't, don't, please don't take mm -hmm. it that way. Sure. That's the history. Right. When the decision was made to have a statewide form administered by the state association as a member benefit, not for profit, the first step was to make an offer to purchase the other owner's interest in OREF and bring that 
under the Oregon Realtor, you know, administration. And that and that offer was made again last year, and it was rejected both times. So Ooh. it will really be up to PMAR. But now. we are PMAR, right? You're PMAR. I'm PMAR. Yeah. Joe's PMAR. Yeah. Who are you? Are you saying the leadership, the current leadership, the current right. elected leadership? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but at one point you were in leadership of PMAR, right? Years Absolutely. ago. Yeah. Past president. Yeah. 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 So it, it will be up to the board of directors at PMAR to make that decision. So us members of PMAR, me, you, Joe, and everybody else listening, we can petition and lobby PMAR. Hey, wind down this thing. We want one set of forms again. And we want it to be the state association in charge. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, any feedback you have for your local association, you would direct to them. Any feedback you have for your state association, you would direct to us, right? So I don't want to be on record as encouraging that. That's not what I'm here to do, okay? Sure. I'm a PMAR is my primary association. I'm a past president of PMAR. I'm, you know, I have a lot of history of leadership with PMAR. So it's really their decision. And I would just say, if you have concerns, questions, for the leadership of PMAR, you take it up with PMAR. If you have concerns, questions for the leadership of your state association, you take it up with your state association. And, and I can see members doing both, right? So I would like to encourage one set of forms. I really do. And how I kind of see it going in the short term, it's a battle between free and not wanting to learn something new, right? There's we have, we have brokers that come to the company that they're used to using DocuSign, but we provide DigiSign for free. We pay for it. And they're like, screw it. I'm going to pay for it myself because I don't want to learn anything new. I think as new realtors come into the market, they're probably going to gravitate to the Oregon Realtor forms because it's provided. It's a member benefit. It's given to them. What I like about it is you guys have some brilliant people on the panel writing these darn things. And I've reviewed them. Jeremy went through them with, with my company. And there's some great stuff in there. And I think the short term will be the battle of, this is what I already know versus, hey, this is free. And I think it'll take a while. And as people slowly over a couple of years or, or many months after seeing Oregon Realtor forms again and again and again, they will learn it sort of slowly and then maybe gravitate to it fully. That's my prediction. And I'm excited for the forms too. And I'm the first to say that I don't have them all but mastered. It, but yet. it only takes one holdout. If there's one holdout in the entire state, I mean, I'm exaggerating, obviously, that's still using OREF, we still need to know OREF, right, Joe? And yeah. there will be a holdout. There will be somebody that's retiring in three years and says, I'm not learning new forms or or whatever. I don't like change or something. So the thing I've heard about free, I wanted to address this, Jeremy, and and all of you. This And this isn't coming from me. I actually read this on, on one of the Facebook posts a while back, and it actually made sense to me. They said, you know, you keep calling this free, a free member benefit. But nothing is free, right? There's infrastructure supporting this. There's people, there's lawyers, there's stuff happening. So somewhere down the road, you know, maybe two years, three years from now, the argument is there'll be a, a, a bump up in the membership. And it won't be like, oh, this is where you're paying for forms, obviously said. But will that be the case in, indirectly, right? I mean, somehow that has to be, those costs have to be absorbed. Wouldn't you agree with that? 
Yeah, and I would like to just offer some clarity because I coined the vernacular that you've heard that the state association is providing a statewide forms library at, administered by the state association as a member benefit, not for profit. Never said free. Gotcha. Okay. But That's very true. Intentional, very intentional about saying it's a member benefit, not for profit. It is not a separate for profit corporation. When you're paying your dues to the Oregon Realtors Association, part of your dues are being used to administer this statewide forms library to create it, to provide the access to the different platforms that the forms have to be delivered on. Of course, there's an expense. And we've had in the last two years of our budgeting cycle at Oregon Realtors, there's been a line item expense for the development of forms, for the administration of forms, for accessing SkySlope, ZipForms, dot loop all of the different platforms and and all of that budget gets approved by the board of directors it's very transparent i mean it, it's out there for people to see we don't publish the budget to every nineteen thousand member throughout the state but if anybody wants it they can request a copy of it and we'll provide it so it's very important to say we've never said free we've never used that language it's a member benefit not for profit and i want to also say that People have been critical of that language because they feel like I'm insinuating that it's negative for OREF to be a for-profit corporation. That has never been the intent of my language. I have no problem with the fact that OREF is a for-profit corporation. By the way, Oregon Association of Realtors was a member owner of the for-profit corporation and received revenues and profits from that corporation that were factored into the budget to offset dues, expenses, and all of the things. So I have no negativity against OREF being a for-profit corporation. I've intentionally called it a member benefit, not-for-profit for exactly what you said, Steve. I don't want to give anybody the perception you're getting it for free. No, you're paying for it with your dues. But it's just like any other program expense at your state association. We've been able over the last two years to develop the library with staff involvement, with realtor involvement to administer the library, to launch the library without having to increase dues in order to do that. Is it possible that there will be expenses that we can't control with the administration of the forms or the delivery of the forms to the platform on the different transaction management platforms that go up that cause us to increase dues in the future? Of course, that's possible. I'm not trying to forecast that that's coming. That'll be up to a future budget committee to decide. But of course, it's possible, just like administering a diversity committee, administering professional standards or any other member benefit that you ask for in your state association isn't free. It all costs money and you pay dues to offset those expenses. So that, mm -hmm. that's, I think, a very important clarification. I appreciate you asking the question. So I, I, have, a que I, have, a, I have a question, just us four. Nobody else is watching. Just a <laughs> so, Oh, this is going to be a good one. So, you know, I don't want your politically correct answer, but we have two forms here and we're speed dating. Why are your forms better? Why should we use your forms? We're totally happy with something that already works. We already understand them. Why are yours better? Good question. I like it. And Jeff, let me know if you want me to stab or you want to go for it. I'll tell you as a realtor why I, well, I will be using the Oregon Realtors Forms Library. And then Jeremy, you can answer it from the legal perspective or from whatever perspective you'd like to. From the realtor perspective, I like the fact that I have, if I have a large team, the, the way that our forms are created in the Oregon Realtors Library 
You have multiple places on the final agency acknowledgement to put your teammates if you're co-brokering. I like the fact that the form has a spot for four sellers and four buyers, and I don't have to do an addendum or find some hinky way to manipulate SkySlope or DocuSign to get everybody's signature line in there. I like the fact that all of the material components of the offer, whether they're financial or contingency-based, are relayed to the seller in the first two pages of the document. I like the fact that every decision point that I have to review with the client, with the buyer when they're writing the offer, is made within the first four pages of the document. I like the fact that the rest of the document is boilerplate, but I can easily go through it with the client and say, okay, here's why you need to know about FERPTA. Here's why you need to know about this. Here's why you need to understand the definitions. The logic and the flow of the forms makes a lot of sense. And so I, that's one of the reasons that I will primarily be utilizing the Oregon Realtors Forms Library. In addition to that, the termination sequence, the notice of default and opportunity to cure sequence. I got to tell you, as the president of the largest real estate company in Oregon, and with our through our reviewing broker team, I can't tell you how many times agents come in and say, somebody didn't do what they said they were going to do. And now my buyer feels like they have to close because if they don't close, they're going to lose their lock. And if they close, then they've deemed to accepted the property in it as it is. What do we do? You go talk to an attorney is what you do. But in the Oregon Realtors Forms Library, you can send over a notice of default and opportunity to cure and document the defect, document the breach of contract, and have a paper trail if the buyer is forced to close for a rate lock on how that's going to be handled, even post-closing, right? So I like that aspect of it. I like the termination sequence, that it's not asking for an agreement to terminate. It's a notification process. I like the fact that the sale agreement doesn't have automatic termination clauses built into it that most realtors aren't even aware of. I would, If you're listening to me right now, I'm, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Do you know that the sale agreement that you have been using as a standard of practice has automatic termination provisions built into it, in which if the appraisal is low, that's a financing contingency failure. If you don't renegotiate within two days, the transaction is automatically terminated or whatever time period you set as a default. Did you know that? I have mitigated transactions over the last however many years as a principal broker between clients who didn't know that. And they were upset when their client find out, oh, the seller is selling the property to a backup offer because we automatically terminated and I didn't even know that language existed. I'm not faulting anybody for that other than the agent who wasn't properly trained, but it exists. I like the fact that in order to terminate the Oregon Realtor Library contract, you have to take an active step to terminate it. Those are the primary reasons that I'll be using. Just those? <laughs> just yeah. Jeff, that <laughs> was Jeff answer. at his finest. Great. That's why I love Jeff. I mean, he just he just hit hit those. Good good job, Jeff. Jeremy, go ahead. Jeremy. Well, yeah, I don't think I could add much. I mean, I was going to hit on the notice of default process and termination process as you know. I think a, a key feature. But Jeff already hit that. You know, one other thing I'd throw out there, and again, this is not about, you know, us versus them, just the features of our library that, that I like. You know, if you pull up our document numbering list, our checklist of all the documents, you'll see how we've organized the forms library. And we've organized it by category in a way that's really easy to find what you're looking for and that has a logical sequence to it. And so I think in addition to some of the features that Jeff talked about, in terms of navigating the library and finding exactly what you need when you need it. That's another feature that we have that, that I think folks are going to like. 
That's fantastic. Um, Great answers. Really good question too, Joe. We had that was something that we needed to be discussed. What is what is the key difference? If you if OREF had sold to Oregon Realtors, would they have completely revamped the forms, or is that just a byproduct of the direction that and path that this went? That's a great question. If initially when we made the decision at the board level to bring the forms into Oregon Realtors, if they had sold, I still think you would have ended up with substantially the product that you're seeing from Oregon Realtors. I still think those revisions would would be there. You know, you might have found some, you know, terminology that's consistent with the OREF form in the in the form that was controlled by the state association. But honestly, I, I don't know, Jeremy, you can answer that better. I think we, through the process of what we developed, I think we would have come to that conclusion whether or not we had the OREF library in-house. Okay. Yeah, I think certainly by the time of that second offer, because we had already developed some of our key documents and the structure of our sale agreement and really liked it. And so certainly at that point in the spring of 2022, I, I don't think we would have changed course. There may have been a difference in the rollout terms of maybe introducing some new documents at a time rather than a whole new library at once, or maybe sort of beta testing a new form alongside the existing one people you know had available as well. So that that might have been a distinction in sort of how they were rolled out. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have some comments from our listeners. Jewel Robinson again. Seems like they are always problematic. I started with three pages. It's not PhD stuff. Just learn it and use it. We only have to be 18 to use any of them. Carrie Ward Richardson, that was more of a comment than a question. She does have some questions here, at least one. Will the new forms be available to anyone outside of Oregon Realtor members? That's one question she has. Yeah. So let me talk about the policy on that. So in terms of direct access, like you want to directly be able to access the library. That is for Oregon Realtors members only at this point. Okay. That could change in the future, but at this point, that's the case. However, our user policy is very different than what you're used to with the ORF forms. So our user policy, okay, which everyone's you know agreed to when they first open those forms and sky slope or zip forms or dot loop, which is where we're located, okay, it says, look, if you need to share forms with the other side of the transaction to get the deal done, because the other side of the transaction is not represented by an Oregon Realtors member, you can do that. Okay. It takes two to tango, it takes two to get a deal done. So if we're giving you access to our forms as a member, it made no sense to us to not also allow you to share it with the other side if the other side was not an Oregon Realtors member. So, How would that logistically happen, Jeremy? What's that? Just literally you would email them a PDF for them to fill out? Well, if yeah, if you needed to say, hey, we're doing this deal and they needed a counteroffer form or they needed this addendum, you could send those over to them. Okay. And again, I'm not an expert in how you all use forms inside Skyslope and Zip and all that. So I can't speak to the technical pieces of it. But if you said, hey, just like with an FSBO, right? You know, and we've got a form in our library, right? And ORF has one too. But if you're working with an FSBO, you're representing a buyer, you're dealing with an FSBO, you've got to provide them some forms because you'd rather do the deal on a statewide form than a napkin. Okay. And you're going to tell them, I'm not your agent. And we have a form that says, I'm not your agent. Okay. But I'm going to provide you some forms so we can get this deal done for my client. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we're seeing you can get a deal done from for your client as long as you're an Oregon Realtors member with our forms, regardless. Okay. Okay. Let's see, Carrie Ward Richardson, Oregon attorneys were able to purchase OREF forms subscriptions. 
This was intended in part to allow members of the public to hire an attorney to write offers on forms that realtors would be familiar with and to have access to the forms when disputes arose. That's a follow-up to our question. So at this point, you don't see Oregon real estate attorneys being able to access our forms, the new forms? I want to distinguish a couple of things. If the point is for them to learn them and be able to help clients in terms of like a litigation or something, our forms are all available for preview on our website, not behind any sort of member wall, okay? Anyone can get to them. Now, in terms of actually purchasing a subscription, that's a decision we're gonna revisit this year. We thought about it initially launching both for members and non-members, and we decided the most important thing to start with is a successful launch for our members. Now, we'll, now once we get through that, we'll take a look at the policy and decide if we wanna make them available for non-members as well. Gotcha. Good question, Carrie. I do love, from what I know from our class and what I read, Jeff, everything you mentioned are just benefits, I believe, <clears throat> to improvements to the offer. I like that there's kind of a summary of everything on the first couple pages. You can you allow for more sellers and buyers versus only two signatures. That happens all the time. The one thing I always thought about when we only had OREF was I hate doing calendar math. I hate, hey, 10 business days. And then you got to think, okay, are there holidays? And then you got to do all that. Why don't we just put a date like, hey, inspection period ends March 6th at 5 p.m. Like, there's no way you can misconstrue that. And people don't have to go through their holiday calendar and and do all that. I I really like keep it simple that anyone can interpret. The other thing I I thought about, and you might have done this, but the seller's disclosures are really a shotgun effect. It's like the same disclosures for someone that has a penthouse in the Pearl District in a condo is the same one for a guy who has a thousand acre hazelnut farm. Right. And so the the condo people are like, what's this? How many gallons per minute is my well? And the farmer is like, what do you mean? Do I have a HOA homeowners association and what's included in it? I always thought maybe sort of separating rural versus city or or being more specific. What are you what are your thoughts on picking specific dates instead of calendar days and the disclosure. I maybe like that suggestion, by the way. Disclosures. I do like that suggestion a lot, Joe. I, I also think that's not a bad suggestion. One thing that I will say in the Oregon Realtors Library is you have to make an intentional choice. The Oregon Realtors sale agreement is structured where we do have a default time period built in, but you have to check the box or there's a blank for you to complete. You can check the box and say, we want this many days, but you have to check one or the other. You can't leave it blank and have it be a default. And the, and the committee of realtors that worked on these forms, we spent a lot of time talking about that. And it was intentional to say, no, we want practitioners as professionals sitting with their clients asking, do you think three business days is enough for you to apply for the loan? Do you think 10 business days is enough for you to get all of the inspections done and negotiate with the seller? Not, we just left it blank and it defaulted to that and we never talked about it, right? So, you know, I'm not casting any aspersions, but that was an, an intentional choice on this form to say, you have to choose a timeline. Now, there are some timelines that are calendar day. The federal yeah. lead-based pain hazard is a calendar day provision. You can give a buyer more time, but you can't give them less time unless they waive it. 
So one of the things you'll notice in the Oregon Realtor lead-based paint hazard addendum is the buyer can choose the default 10 calendar day option that's federal statute, or they can choose a business day option. So maybe, Joe, if you wanted to say the buyer is asking for 10 business days for all of the other due diligence, why wouldn't we just make the lead-based paint due diligence marry up to all of the other due diligence so we don't have two separate timelines? You can do that. In, in our library, okay? They can also still waive it if they want to as well. And that is acceptable. I, I just, I like a date because there's no way it could be interpreted any different. You know, March 15th at five o'clock is the same for absolutely everybody. But how many times do you have a transaction coordinator, the, the two get in a fight? They send over their timeline, they send over their timeline and is is Juneteenth a recognized holiday or is it not? I mean, yeah, exactly. No, you're you're 100 percent right on that. And and so that's a great suggestion. And, you know, that's the kind of feedback that, you know, not only would your forms committee for OREF hear that feedback, but your state association, you know, would absolutely hear that feedback, too. In regard to your comment about the disclosures, the disclosure, the seller's property disclosure statement is a legislated form. Okay, so. We don't have control over that, the questions that are on that or the ability to bifurcate out those forms and have it one for a condo and one for a rural property or whatever. We don't have the ability to do that. What we do have though, are non-legislated forms for vacant land and for agricultural land because there are disclosures for vacant land that are pertinent and for yes. agricultural land, especially that are pertinent if there's a crop, you know, if there's a lease, whatever. So we have created those forms in the Oregon Realtor Library. And I know that OREF does have a vacant land disclosure addendum in their library too. And so hmm. I suspect I suspect the, the hand you guys took into writing these forms, OREF's sort of quick fix or response to the Oregon Realtor forms is something that's always been there, but now they're promoting it. They say, hey, we have Breeze. You should use Breeze and your sellers will be able to interpret the disclosures. So are you familiar with Breeze? So for those of you who don't know, the seller's disclosures, it can be interpreted a million different ways. And I've always had sellers stumble over it. Like, what's their intent? What are they asking me? Is there a survey? I know there is. You know, this is in Southeast Portland. They surveyed everything. Do I have one? No. How do I answer this? You can run the disclosures through OREF's platform of, of Breeze, which takes the disclosures and the questions are like big, fat, cartoon-like, what do you think of this? Yes, no, or I'm not sure. And the sellers will go through and answer all the disclosures, which in fact are filling out the actual mandated disclosures they just ask it to you in a different way. Does so, OREF own Breeze or have no. them? Okay. They don't own it, but they're... Breeze is uh, a, a Skyslope portfolio product. So Breeze was developed and, and is owned by Skyslope. If you have Skyslope, you have Breeze. Will we have access to Breeze with the new forms, Jeff, then? Jeremy, that's a better question for you. I don't know if Breeze... Because we are using Breeze on my team. Yeah, I don't know if Breeze is something that we included in our SkySlope portfolio. Yeah, so I think there's two separate questions. The question would be for people who have SkySlope transactions, you know, brokerage transaction management level product, we are not 
you know, that's not what our member benefit for SkySlope product is, right? So I think you, you need to talk to SkySlope about that. That might be a feature they offer to every person who pays for that full meal deal SkySlope product. In terms of the member benefits SkySlope software that we're offering to SkySlope forms, Breeze at this point is not included with our seller property disclosure statement. At the time that we were signing up with SkySlope, it was new. We had, we had heard mixed reviews of it. And frankly, you know, we wanted to be certain that it was, you know, a solid product because that's a statutory statement required by law where the seller has got to fill that out. So we wanted to make sure that it was something that we liked, that we thought worked well and that our members wanted. So if we're hearing that our members want that, we can certainly have that conversation with SkySlope. The other thing that I would say is, although I've said that you should not mix and match forms, there is one exception to that in the Oregon Realtors Forms Library. We very clearly state any seller property disclosure statement that complies with the statute can be used. So if you used an ORAF seller property disclosure statement and used Breeze to fill that out, and that's the one your seller used, but you still want to do a deal on the Oregon Realtors Forms, 100% okay, no problem with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, I think the problem with Breeze, I like the concept. But that's only a, a, a vessel to have the seller fill it out, but there's no signature possibilities there. So you send it to them and Breeze, they fill it out, it comes back. You still have to run it through a digital platform for signatures. So that's an extra step that I don't love. And, and honestly, I would prefer myself and all the brokers to go through the regular disclosures with the seller. Obviously, we can't give them the answers, but we can maybe shed light on, they're going to ask questions and, and we're there to help. So I like Breeze, but I still want to kind of, it's kind of like Jeff having no default. If if we just give them the disclosures and then we go through it with them so they're comfortable, I like to know that process that we filled them out. The sellers filled it out as best they possibly could. But then again, there's some people that really need Breeze to get to the finish line people aren't they don't see this every day and some people aren't techie i mean digital signing digitally is is a big thing for people in and of itself but breeze is a great product i would say that regardless of whether or not you have access to breeze in skyslope their built-in forms product has electronic signature built into it and you're familiar with that i'm sure joe the property disclosure statement has required fields. It will not allow a client, a seller to complete the document and sign it unless they've answered every question. All of them. Yep. You don't need Breeze in order right. to accomplish that. You can send the seller's property disclosure statement along with all of the other documents in your listing package through SkySlope forms, and it will require the seller to complete everything. I would also use this as an opportunity to highlight a benefit to the Oregon Realtors form, which is the addendum to the property disclosure statement. The Oregon Realtors form has all six pages of the property disclosure statement and two additional pages of that, of that addendum to the property disclosure statement for your seller to be able to automatically answer. And it doesn't have a question on the last page asking how many pages are attached. It just says, see attached. So if you have a frustration of the seller not completing, I'm attaching one page of an addendum and now you have to send it back to them and have them initial it in the Oregon Realtors library, that problem won't exist. And they'll have the addendum automatically attached to the, the statement 
So if they have things they need to explain, there'll be two pages there automatically attached to the form for them to do that on. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jeff, I have a couple, two questions I want to get to for you. Before I do that, I, we had one other comment. Paul Barnes Brotherton said, I love the new forms as a reviewing PB. They establish a direct path from almost every, if this doesn't happen, then what? So it, it's very, you know, very linear in that regards. And he, he, he appreciates that. So Jeff, moving forward, day-to-day -day usage, six months from now, I know today, you know, you just rolled them out today. So it's, it's doubtful that there's going to be a high attrition rate today, but six months from now, Jeff, you're working with a buyer you're a practicing agent. You do a lot of business. You're working with a buyer. They find a listing. You don't know the agent. They want to write an offer. What do you do? What do you envision you do? I know it could change, but what do you envision as of today? Great question. I would answer that the same way. Well, so the bottom line for me is I'm going to, if you're the listing agent, Steve, I'm going to call you and ask if there are any offers on the table, what the interest is. I'm going to do all of the things that I would do now, right? That mm -hmm. you do for your buyers. We're going to have a conversation. If that listing's been on the market for three months and you haven't had any offers and you're like, wow, man, I'd love to have an offer from you, Jeff. If your private remarks say, you know, listing agent or seller prefers OREF contracts and I'm using the Oregon Realtors contract, I'll show that to my buyer. I will, because of me, I will have already reviewed the Oregon property buyer advisory with them. I will have already given them a, a sample copy of the Oregon Realtors sale agreement my buyer, before we write the offer, will already understand the Oregon Realtor form. So I will present to them, hey, the listing agent is stating that the seller would prefer to receive an offer on a different form than the one I've reviewed with you. I'm trained on it. I can go through it with you if you'd like. What would you prefer to do? If the buyer says, yeah, that's fine, then I'm going to submit the offer on the OREF form. If the buyer says, you know what? I don't really want to do that. I'm comfortable with the form you've already presented to me. Can we just make the offer on that form? That's what I'm going to do. Now, that would be a different answer if, Steve, you said, Jeff, we have five offers on the table and you need to be really competitive. Well, then I'm going to give you whatever the hell you ask for, right? I mean, that's just how it is. I'll give yeah. you your escrow preference. I'll give you the form that you want. I'll give you whatever you want if that's what my buyer yeah. wants to do to get their offer accepted. Mm -hmm. so, and, and Jeremy hit the nail on the head already. We're realtors and we'll cooperate with each other. I really would implore everybody that watches this and is listening to me now, don't draw lines in the sand over this, folks. If you need an OREF subscription, it's 89 bucks. Go get one, okay? If the, the agent wants to use Oregon Realtors forms, you have access to them through your membership as uh, an Oregon Realtor. Use them. Get trained on them and use them. But don't turn this into divisiveness between your clients. It's not worth it, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Have your preference, have what you want to do, get comfortable with both. The market will sort itself out in time, but mm -hmm. in the meantime, be educated on both and don't use it as a leverage point that is a detriment to your client. I would never do that. Six months from now, Jeff, you're a listing agent. Do you put in the private remarks that you prefer Oregon Realtor forms? Good question. I probably won't just because I want to focus on you bringing an offer rather than the, spe the specificity of the form. And I, you know, I think most realtors are trained on the, the OREF form well. I'm very well trained on the OREF form. I'm also very mm -hmm. well trained on the Oregon Realtor form. I, as a practitioner, will have no problem using either form from either library. Mm -hmm. So rather than 
putting something up front, I will probably leave it blank and just receive the offer as I receive it and talk it through with myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So back to kind of Scott Taylor getting rid of three forms and having one and liability. I know it's very minimized, Jeremy, but would you say the Oregon Realtor forms is more favorable to the buyer or the seller versus OREF forms in writing a sales agreement? Yeah, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. You know, there are 69 forms in our library. There's 80 plus forms in the ORF library. And on any given provision, there, there could be some distinction. I, I think trying to characterize it that way is just not, you know, it's not the way we're looking at it, at least. Mm-hmm. And that was the question from like, based on the Scott Taylor, where we practice law is if a buyer says, hey, which form should I write on that will best serve me? And I knew and that's I why that piece of advice we gave is do not advise your client yes. on which form to use based on their specific facts and circumstances. That's why the default policy is is really important because you're going to use that regardless of the specific facts or circumstances of the client. And I think that that is what's going to help you avoid getting into that conversation, which you, which you don't want to have. Yeah. Okay? Now, if they want to have that conversation, if they want to go talk to an attorney and say, hey, which of these better for me? Great. Encourage them to do that. They can go do that. But that's why you're going to have a default policy in your brokerage or at, for you as an independent business. And I'll, I'll add into here, I, I'm a past chairman for the OREF Forms Committee in 2015. And obviously, I've been the chair of the task force in developing you know, the Oregon Realtors Forms Library. A key component, I think, in either library is a balance of equity between the buyer and the seller and making it a universally fair transaction. And, and I would credit both libraries with that reality. I don't perceive that there is one library that's been created to say, oh, well, this is better for the seller or this is better for the buyer. I believe both forms library create equity in the transaction between the buyer and the seller to accomplish a mutual goal of the transfer of the real estate between the parties. Mm-hmm. Okay. I knew those would be the answers you would both give. I just had to <laughs> ask it. I've been asked about oh. it and I wanted to ask it and I kind of already knew the answer, but you know, it's, it's on record now, right? Yeah. Well, I would say, honestly, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be politically correct in that answer and sorry to interrupt over you, Steve. That's, that's, okay. that, that's the honest truth from my experience in both organizations. That's the honest truth. There's equity between the point of the transaction document is to protect you, to protect your client, whether your client is a buyer or a seller. So last question I have, guys, and then we'll let you get going. I know you don't want to influence PMAR to wind down or, or, or pull back on their form so that we all return to one form again. But if we have listeners that did want to do that, I'm curious, you've been a part of PMAR, you understand the inner workings. I don't, Jeff. Is it the elected officials that have the voice there? Is it the the current president and other people who vote? I guess why I'm asking this too is because 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 there could be a future president that was brought in who maybe did feel like that would be beneficial to, as a state on the state level. How are the inner workings? Who are the people that when we say PMAR didn't want to sell? Who are the, those people, and and how often do they meet, and what what does it look like for them to make that decision? So the association is controlled by its governing body, which is ultimately the board of directors and the executive committee. And that's true of of both the local association and the state association. So if you want to make a recommendation as a member of a state association, you would bring that recommendation 
in whatever form you want, you know, whatever form you could, that recommendation would be brought to the executive committee. And then ultimately it would be brought to the board of directors, depending upon the nature of the request and what action needed to happen with it. And I believe that that same process is true with your local association as well. You would talk to the current leadership. You can go to PMAR.org and you can see all of the leaders that are in place right now at, at PMAR. You can go to OregonRealtors.org. You can see all of the leaders that are in place at Oregon Realtors. And if you have a recommendation or a complaint or a, or a compliment, you can go to the respective websites, find out who the leadership is and find the path for making that request. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it sounds like, Jeremy, there was a big change in Eugene. I mean, I don't know that you got real specific on it, but that seems like that doesn't seem like small potatoes. That seems like something significant came about recently. That yeah, I don't, I don't probably... know the backstory. I just know, you know, that it happened. And I think it's within the last, you know, three or four weeks that it happened that mm-hmm. uh, that PMAR is now exclusively owned or ORF is exclusively owned by PMAR. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because we're we're thrilled that Oregon Realtors is in charge of the forms. We're thrilled with the forms. Everybody is. We just want we'd love there to just be one again <laughs> for many reasons. And I think I think you I think you two would agree with that, right? So well, I think that's that this was a great show. Anything else, Joe, to before we wind down uh, and uh you know I, I think I think both forms can coexist in a perfect world. I would love to have one perfected form. And I guess it will shake out in the future and and then we'll all know. But for now, my encouragement is people seem to be a little bit allergic to learning new things. And you can't run around and coach your sellers and buyers on forms that you're not fully immersed in that you know forwards and backwards. So I encourage you to know both sets of forms inside and out and always be learning, always increase your knowledge and move forward eyes wide open so your clients and customers can as well. That's all I have Absolutely. to Absolutely. And yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. You have you have great minds and you said take a moment for compliments, Jeff. I compliment you both because I don't think OREF is the be all end all as far as forms. I think they can be improved. I like a lot of improvements you have made. And I think if we can get you to perfection, then maybe you guys will be the king of the hill in the future. Boy, if you can get us to perfection, you're doing something right. (laughs) Fantastic. Hey, thank you for allowing us to be on today. As you mentioned, Steve, the forms are launching in all of the platforms today. So, Jeremy, do you want to do you want to take just one minute and explain what's going to happen or what what all Oregon Realtors yeah, are going to see? Yeah, I think an email may have just gone out, and we actually got word from Zip that they're having some sort of nationwide uh, problem with their software. So that that our announcement is either just gone out or about to go out, but it will tell you that because of an issue with Zip forms, if you're a Zip forms user, we'll, we'll alert you as soon as that problem is fixed with Zip, but you're going to have to hold off for a little bit to pull up the forms there. But in Dotloop and Skyslope, they're already available. And then that email will direct you to the forms page on our website, which will explain to you how you can access the forms. And if you already have an account, you can just log into your account. Okay? And you, if you know where to find additional forms libraries or additional associations in your account, then you can just grab it. Okay. If you don't know where to find that, you can go to our website 
we have some explainers. Also, Skyslope.lube, Zip, they all have explainers as well. If you need an account, if you don't have Skyslope, Zip, or .lube, and you need access to one of those accounts, we are providing that as a member benefit as well. And you can get that through our website by clicking on the link of the logo of the provider that you'd prefer to use. And then we, of course, have a robust array of training opportunities, including annotated forms that include little video snippets explaining each provision. Those are all on our website. So check that out, orforms.org, orforms.org. Are you guys doing in-person training as well, Jeremy? Yeah, so we actually did, between October and January, uh, we did 115 briefings for brokerages and locals associations, including many in-person. We now have been doing mostly online trainings. We actually developed a curriculum that does the training, but now we have a set of trained trainers who can be hired to come out and do live presentations. And you also can reach out to us on staff to come out and do a live presentation. We're not going to be doing the same level of a roadshow as we did between October and January because we were doing three or four a day all over the state and we just kind of had to slow down on that. But we definitely can make an in-person thing happen either from us or through one of those trained trainers that are now all over the state. I, as a matter of fact, to plug it, and I don't know, Jeremy, I think they can just go to orforms.org and find this. At one o'clock today, I'm teaching the live training of the class. So you got 10 minutes if you want to go. Oh, that's what you're doing at one o'clock. Yeah, orforms.org and register Mm -hmm. yourself and take the class. If you haven't taken it yet, I'm teaching it in 10 minutes. Awesome. And I just want to clarify one thing. One of our listeners, Carrie Ward Richardson, said, I was able to pull up with Zip, Jeremy. So. Oh, great. Yeah. So maybe it is. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, we got to let Jeff go to his class. Fabulous, you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate the opportunity. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group, and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great.